0: you're listening to meet the thriller author i am your host alan peterson and each episode of this podcast will introduce you to a new author in the thriller mystery and suspense genres as a reader i've been a fan of those uh, type of books for a very long time and that is why i write in that uh, genre now and so i'm excited to introduce you to new authors discovering uh, new books and authors is uh, such a fun thing to do and uh, that's what i hope to do with these uh, interviews so stay tuned for the next episode of meet the thriller author
1: This is uh, Alan Peterson with uh, Meet the uh, Thriller Author, and uh, for today's uh, podcast, we're excited to have uh, mystery author uh, David Cho uh, join us. He's the author of seven novels in his uh, Burnside series, so we're excited to talk to him about his uh, novels and his uh, work. Uh, David, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing fine, Alan. Thank you for having me.
1: Oh, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about yourself,
2: please? Sure. I'm um, originally from New York City. I um, have been living in Los Angeles for the past, oh God, <laughs> I tell people decades because I don't want to <laughs> tell the real number, but it's it's more than half my life. I spent uh, a lot of years in the, the business world before becoming uh, a mostly full-time writer, but even when I was working in business, I, I did a lot of writing as well. It was uh, a hobby, and uh, managed to turn it into a uh, a part-time job.
1: How long have you been writing for?
2: Well, it feels like I've been writing all my life. i you know started in college, took a number of classes in fiction writing. I went to a college called uh, uh, the State University of New York at Oswego, which has a writing arts program, and I took quite a number of fiction uh, writing classes there and but I was a double major. I majored in English and in business because I was always afraid that I wouldn't be able to earn a living as a writer. So I, my parents hammered it into me to have something to fall back on. So oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's what I wound up doing. And you know, I, I managed to eventually carve out two careers. And uh, can you describe your books to someone,
1: uh, to our listeners, who might not have read uh, your previous novels?
2: Sure. So I write in the mystery genre. It's hard-boiled mysteries. My protagonist is a private investigator named Burnside, who is a former football star at USC. He became an LAPD officer and eventually, after 13 years, had to leave the force, uh, being falsely accused of a, a crime, and he turned into a private investigator. There are seven books in the series, and the first book, uh, Post Pattern, is one where I establish the main character and uh, give some detail as to what happened to him, and also introduce a character who would go on to, you know, become his his wife, and uh, she helped him through this particular period in his life where he was kicked off the LAPD for ostensibly running a child prostitution ring, which he was not doing. He was falsely accused, and she helped him through this uh, this period and, and essentially made him whole again.
1: And that's from, that, that happens throughout the uh, seven novels? Uh, it, it develops throughout the,
2: or, or that, yes, she, the
1: first one?
2: Oh. Yes, she's introduced, uh, her name is Gail Pepper. She is introduced in the first novel as Burnside's uh, eventual girlfriend and over time they get married and uh, then they, they have a child as well which gives it a nice twist because in addition to uh, having Burnside grow as a detective he's growing as a person too in a way he never really thought he would so um, in, in addition to being this hard-boiled wise-cracking private eye he now has a wife who tempers him a little bit. And uh, now at book seven, he has a three-year-old son who he interacts with in a different way. So it's, in a, it's I'm able to show off different sides of him and I'm able to develop and grow the character in ways that I, I hadn't anticipated. But uh, sometimes ideas come to you and you just start to go with them and they make sense. And all of a sudden I have a character who is, a little different from the way I initially envisioned him to be, and I think different from the way the reader initially envisioned him in book one. So it's nice to be able to grow that character over the course of seven books.
1: Yeah, that sounds like a lot of character growth. That sounds like a really a, a cool read for, uh, for your fans. Why did you choose to uh, write in, in uh, Mysteries? Is that genre that you were a fan as a reader before you started to write?
2: Well, yes, I've always liked mysteries. I started out with the Hardy Boys, as a lot of lot of people did. When I was in college, uh, a friend of mine gave me a copy of Farewell, My Lovely by Raymond Chandler. And it was around uh, around the time that the movie uh, with Robert Mitchum came out, and I began reading it and I was really hooked on Raymond Chandler and his writing ability, his ability to tell a story that whole hard-boiled private eye genre, which uh, started out in the, I guess, 20s and 30s. And by the time the 1970s had rolled around, it had declined. And I, I read all of Chandler's novels, and I was very hungry for more. And I guess it was around that time that Robert B. Parker began to uh, write the Spencer series. And I began getting very interested in that. And, and, and that Opened up a lot of things because Robert P. Parker's Spencer character was more of a contemporary version of Philip Marlowe. And it, uh, it struck me as, you know, just a character I could relate to. Philip Marlowe is great. He's, you know, marvelous, marvelous character. And certainly Raymond Chandler is, you know, one of the godfathers of the mystery. But it was really Parker who influenced me a lot. And I began reading more and more of other writers, Ross MacDonald, Dashiell Hammett, uh, Ross Thomas, and then more contemporary mystery writers at the time, such as Tony Hillerman, Sarah Paretsky, Janet Ivanovich, Les Roberts, Lauren D. Estelman, and all of them played a role in this. So I've always liked mysteries. I think part of me would have preferred to become a literary fiction writer, but It's really hard, (laughs) and mystery (laughs) is just a genre that's easier to do, and I can be entertaining and tell stories and provide a certain level of literary quality, but um, I know deep down I'm never going to be John Updike. I probably won't be Raymond Chandler or Robert B. Parker either, but I can at least uh, be a writer that people like to read and uh, find entertaining.
1: And where do you get your ideas for your for your novels?
2: Well, some of them are uh, admittedly ripped from the headlines. My most recent uh, Burnside book is called Double Pass, and it focuses on a high school, a high school football coach. And I got the idea uh, while reading an article a couple of years ago about a local football coach who was involved in some sort of graft. There was an investigation of him. There were hundreds of thousands of dollars of uh, donations that were missing. And the more I I looked into this, the more interested I got, although the investigation in real life never went anywhere. And that particular coach is still coaching and uh, apparently he's still doing fairly well. I assume he was exonerated. But the idea stuck with me. What if you had a high school coach who was stealing money from his school and I began to take that idea and spin it into something else and something more involved what if there was something of a conspiracy what if it led to murder what if there were other things going on in the school that you know that were being hidden And so I came up with the idea of having one of the donors whose son played on the team, on the the high school football team, approach Burnside and say he wants to find out more about what's really going on here. So Burnside begins to investigate and he peels back layers and he discovers there's things that are sort of wrong and then a murder occurs and then another murder occurs and all of a sudden Burnside's on the case. And it's interesting because, you know, in mystery writing, uh, you can take liberties of, about certain things. And in real life, you know, a, a murder happens when you have a police department investigating and you don't really need a private investigator typically. But because Burnside was all, already on the case, he kept himself on it and kept investigating when the police were um, wrapping up the investigation. Something about it didn't feel right to Burnside, so he kept pushing and prodding and poking and finding new things. And eventually he, uh, cracked the case that the, uh, police either did not or could not or would not. I'll, I'll, I'll and leave that as a that little, little temptation for the reader. To
1: <laughs> for <laughs> yeah, I gotta read the book to find out. No? <laughs> And uh, does he have – does Verticide have, like, conflicts with the LAPD? And, and, uh, not because of what happened to him?
2: Uh, he does, particularly in the beginning. He's very resentful of being mm-hmm. asked to leave the force. He understands it, but there's a part of him that's angry. And he does have conflicts with certain officers, particularly ones that don't share his code, who um, – maybe want to take the easy way out. And, uh, you know, like in every line of work, there are people who are very good at their job and very well, not so good at their job. And Burnside mm-hmm. encounters both. And uh, that's that's where the interesting drama can occur when you you meet characters who are on the margins, the ones who are exceptionally good or exceptionally poor. And um, by, by integrating Burnside into these situations, He gets out some of his anger against um, the police department, but he also uh, recognizes there are good people, too. And there are friends he still has there who help him, who he can reach out to, who get annoyed at him because uh, he sometimes won't listen and he'll push on something where uh, they would prefer he did not. So it creates uh, a certain level of conflict, but um, it also provides a dramatic opportunity for you know Burnside to uh, get his feelings out about the police and um, you know in some ways he is helping them in some ways he is making them look bad and I guess um, it it it's a little bit like real life you know uh, sometimes the outsider can see things that the person on the inside doesn't see or isn't allowed to see or is told to back off but because Burnside is not part of the system, he can work on the margins and he can do things that are maybe a little unethical, maybe a little not kosher, but he does them for a reason so that he can crack the case because it all comes down to his code and his belief that uh, there is a moral responsibility to get to the truth. And uh, this, this type of character allows me to you know, invoke some of my own moral code as mm-hmm. well.
1: Do you find um, part of your personality making into your into your character?
2: <laughs> yes, and I like to say I'm not Burnside, but Burnside is me. Um, I can't do what Burnside does. I can't say smart Alec things to anyone because I don't carry a gun and I'm not ready <laughs> to get into a fist fight over nothing. And, uh, the, <laughs> I mean, the last time I got into a fight, I think I was a teenager, so that was many years ago, and I don't really plan on doing that again. So I don't have the luxury of mouthing off the way Burnside does, but he does carry what I have, uh, my code, which is a bit of a nasty moral streak at times, but also the code that says you value loyalty, you keep plugging away, You try to make the world a better place, and you try to get to the truth. You try to get to the answer. And sometimes you have to, you know, go down a few wrong alleys to get there. Sometimes you get a few bumps and bruises along the way. But it's keeping in mind what the greater goal is, what the greater good is. And when I do that, it it feels like I'm telling a story that matters, that means something.
1: And your books—they're—they're uh, they're set in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, do you find does the city become kind of like a like a supporting character, kind of like Michael Connelly's books?
2: Absolutely, Los Angeles is a major part of the the story, and it's a different sort of Los Angeles than some people are accustomed to, because with Los Angeles, uh, Hollywood is so prevalent; it's the media capital. Uh, one of the media capitals of the world along with New York, but it's certainly the entertainment capital, the film capital. And so people assume Los Angeles is all about entertainment. And, you know, some of it is, but there's another side of Los Angeles which is, uh, you know, a big city that operates just like any other big city. And I've lived here for a long time, so I'm able to take little things that I've learned over time and, you know, insert them into the uh, the story because I went to USC and USC is so integral to Los Angeles and uh, particularly USC football because for many years in fact you know, up until this year <laughs> USC and UCLA football were really the only football teams we had so um I I incorporate USC a lot I incorporate uh, the local neighborhoods Burnside lives in Santa Monica near the beach he has a rent control department, uh, as I did for many years, and um, I try to give the books an added dimension by putting Los Angeles in. I put in famous restaurants such as uh, Philippe's or the Pantry or Bay City's Deli, things that Angelenos would know uh, immediately, but outsiders might not. So, in some ways, I'm helping to teach people about L.A. You know, people who live in Los Angeles often have a mixed view of the city. There's a lot of good and bad to it. You have traffic, you have smog, you have earthquakes, but there is a beauty to it as well. And there is a certain culture to it. And when you've lived here long enough, you do grow to love it. You understand it. You know, one of my goals is to tell people about Los Angeles, that it's not just about Hollywood, that there's a lot more to it. It's a very complex city. It's it's often been called the great experiment because it brings many different cultures together whether it be black latino asian russian or uh, european there are people from all over the world here and uh, more than in any other city it uh gives los angeles so much texture and it's, it's, it also gives it a lot of freedom because people come here to try and do something a little different. It's a place to get a fresh start. And to a lot of, you know, to a large extent, I try hard to capture that and to make Los Angeles, uh, a part of every story that I write. And, uh, hope, hopefully I've, I've accomplished that, but, uh, certainly it's something I strive to do.
1: Yeah, that's exciting. It's, also, uh, it's exciting to hear that, especially coming, you know, because you live there versus someone who's just, you know, researching and going to Google Maps.
2: It's funny because I read an article, uh, I guess, about a year ago, where a New York writer was writing a book based on Los Angeles. When they were passing it to their publisher, uh, one of the, the editors was from Los Angeles, and they made some comments like, uh, Well, you really can't see Woodland Hills from downtown LA and uh, certain things, you know, going the wrong way down one-way streets. I think it really does help to live in a city because you understand it better and you pick up the rhythms more. And uh, a lot of people try to write about LA, uh, but I think you have to live here for uh, a while to really get it. You know, just uh, a side note. um, Robert B. Parker many years ago was asked to complete a novel Raymond Chandler had started called Poodle uh, Poodle Springs, and it took place in Palm Springs. And the way Parker approached this was, he had not been to Palm Springs before, so he drove out there one day, had lunch, looked around, and then drove back. And that's that was the extent to which he put. into uh learning about palm springs and while poodle springs is actually a pretty good novel i think he missed something in in that i don't feel he really captured palm springs that well so uh, it was just a little little anecdote i wanted to put out there because you know i love robert b parker he's a great novelist and uh poodle springs is a very good novel but in that particular case he had an opportunity and uh you really did not take advantage of it and I think it shows. And I think it does show when a writer does their homework and does their research, it comes through, especially in the little things.
1: And especially uh yeah, like you said, like the streets and you know different businesses, it's it is something that you can't capture unless you actually live in the city I said. So what's your writing process? Are you do you plot? Are you are you just going to just start writing?
2: <laughs> well, there are um I've heard it described as uh, two forms of writing, the plotter and the pantser. The plotter Mm -hmm. being someone who makes a detailed outline, the pantser being someone who writes by the seat of their pants. They just start writing and follow their characters around and see where they lead them. I probably fall closer into the plotter category, and I put together what I call a 24-point outline. And I learned this when I took a... uh, screenwriting class at UCLA, the professor told us about this. And he said that if you go back in history and look at many stories, you can break them down into the 24 key events that happened. And within each of these events, you can usually get two scenes out of them. So he, he created this structure where, you know, at every plot point, every one of these 24 plot points, something happens. And particularly at plot point 6, 25% of the way in, and then plot point 18, 75% of the way in, two very, very dramatic events happen which um, spin the story around. And this is, in a way, based to the three-act structure that a lot of screenplays use. And it's it's a bit formulaic, but it does work. And for me, I had always struggled with plot structure. So having this ability to outline things and creating 24 plot points or 24 events helped me a lot because I could structure the story in a way that uh, would flow nicely and uh, would keep the reader interested. And as I have continued to do this, I'll start by writing this outline, which might be three pages, but as I continue thinking about it and working it through. By the time I'm finished with the actual story, it, it might be 25 pages of this outline because I keep adding little things, little details, and items which uh, feel like they're important and I want to get them down in the outline so I won't forget about them later. Uh, but that said, I still try to keep it a little bit loose so that if I do come across something and I need to change direction, I can. And there was one particular novel I wrote, which uh, I changed who the culprit was halfway through. And that I'm glad I did because it was a better story. But it did require me to go back and do quite a bit of editing afterwards. It was interesting, though, because I started out plot, you know, with, with this outline. And then I started as I changed who the culprit was. I started following Burnside around and looking at the world through his eyes. And it did allow me to have a different approach because I think that was in Nickel Package, the sixth book. I think I gave the reader more of an opportunity to get into Burnside's shoes because he didn't really know what was happening next and neither did I. So things came to him as a surprise. And I think there are maybe more surprises in that book than... uh, in some of the others. So it was an interesting learning experience, but I think just the nature of how I write is such that I have to have some sort of an outline first and, uh, you know, hopefully keeping it loose enough so that I can move off of it if I need to. Um, Hopefully I won't need to do it again because it is a little scary to write half a novel and then realize the culprit uh, really can't be the culprit and, and be believable. So I, I had to uh, shift gears, and fortunately, I was able to come up with a, an alternative.
1: So your, your character kind of grabbed your outline and threw it out the window. <laughs> <If> you <writing laughs> Do you write every day?
2: I try to. I work part-time as a consultant, and um, I do a lot of the business work in the mornings, I tend to be an early riser so I'll be up at five five thirty and uh, the company I work for is international so I'm often you know talking to people in europe then so i'll I'll do the business work in the morning and and then in the afternoon I'll do a lot of the writing and and especially in the evening it's It's interesting because I tend to be left brain right brain and uh it's good because the, the consulting I do is uh, quantitative research. I do marketing research and uh, surveys and focus groups. So I use the logical part of my brain part of the time, and then I go in and use the creative part of my brain uh, in, the, in the afternoon and evenings. One thing I do when I get stuck, and every writer gets stuck at some point, but I take a lot of walks in my neighborhood. I usually try to. Take a three mile walk, if not every day, every other day. And I find that uh, getting out there, getting out, getting some exercise, getting into the outdoors really stimulates ideas. And often when I come back from a walk, I go straight to the keyboard and start typing things out so I don't forget them. Or in some cases, I've worked out a scene and I, I just start writing it down immediately. So uh, for me, it works is that uh, I have two different aspects of my life that are very different but in some ways having you know the consulting gives me a break from writing and allows my mind to relax and rest when i come back to it it i'm re-energized
1: and where do you usually write do you have like a specific location or do you like move it around with your laptop
2: or? well i uh, i typically write in uh, i have a very small office in in my home so i, I write almost invariably in the office it's kind of interesting because years ago when I first started you know, taking writing seriously, I, I took some time off from the business world and I you know, got a rent control department in Santa Monica and I was going to write full-time for a while and become a novelist and I moved in on a Friday and was getting set up and on Monday morning I made the pot of coffee and I was ready to start writing and at about 8.30 I heard all this noise and commotion downstairs And I looked outside, and there was a preschool underneath my window. I had no idea it was going to be there. So I I created this whole life for myself, this whole new experience. And I couldn't write because all day there'd be kids yelling and screaming and running around and playing with their bicycles. And it was driving me crazy. (laughs) So I tried I tried writing in the library. I tried writing in coffee shops. Libraries are not quiet. Surprisingly, librarians can actually be rather loud. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Coffee shops don't work either because by the eighth cup of coffee, the waitress is saying, I think it's time for you to leave. <laughs> so um, I, I mentioned something. Uh, a, a friend of mine was managing the building and he told me, well, there's a rec room on the other side of the building that you can use during the day. And uh, I went in there and it had a, ta- a table, a couch, and a dartboard. And uh, <laughs> it was perfect. Mm-hmm. So I, I did that, and that's where I wrote three novels, the first of which was terrible and I threw away, the second of which became post-pattern eventually, and uh, the third became Fade Out. So I did quite a bit of writing there, and I, I, I discovered I really need quiet and tranquility and serenity to be able to write and think uh, effectively. And I do have that here now at uh, the, the home we live in. I have a son. He's uh, 17. He's off at school until about 3:30, and uh, so i mean and my, my my wife is in and out. So I, I do have a lot of time to uh, to write in the office. But I, I do get distracted easily, and uh, there are times I, I I have to put earplugs in just to <laughs> give myself a little peace and quiet to be able to think. Getting back to your original question, yes, I <laughs> I do all my writing now in the office, one place.
1: What motivates you to keep on writing and putting and, and put your new books out?
2: Well, you know, I like telling stories. I like entertaining people. I, I get a certain satisfaction by writing something good, something interesting. But, you know, the thing that motivates me the most, and I really didn't expect this, was I have gotten um, a lot of fan mail. Uh, at the end of all my books, I put my email address so people can contact me if they want to. And I was shocked uh, one day early on, about three years ago, when I got my first email and it was just somebody who had purchased the book and uh, liked it and told me about it. And I was so thrilled that uh, it, it, I can't describe how wonderful a feeling that I've actually reached out and touched somebody who was not a friend or family member. (laughs) And uh, I've gotten uh, a lot of those emails. You know, 98% of them are really positive, and they really are uh, great. They influence me quite a bit, and they're they're very motivational. So um, I I appreciate them, and I, I answer every single email. Even even the 2%, which are not flattering, <laughs> the first thing I say is, thank you for writing. Well, it, it, it isn't so much negative, although it's, it's more, I don't understand how you did this. I don't understand how a person oh, yeah. could drag someone across the room, throw them over a balcony, and, you know. And, <laughs> and, well, okay, yeah, but here's what I was really thinking. The One, yeah. one, one person uh, wrote me who is an, a civilian employee of the LAPD. And she pointed out something important Uh, in the first couple of books. I always referred to the police stations as precincts and growing up in New York City, that's what they were. But here in Los Angeles, they're called divisions. Just one of those things. I had no idea. She's right. I I checked it out and I sent her a thank you note back. And uh, she also told me I couldn't name my divisions because I would I didn't want to use the same names the LAPD used. So, you know, some some precinct was on 77th Street and Broadway and they called themselves the 77th Street Station I would call them the Broadway Division and she said you can't do that and it's, I didn't say yes I can because it's fiction but I <laughs> I thanked her for writing anyway
1: Well yeah no that's yeah, that's great that you're, you're motivating you're reaching out to your readers to to reach out to you so yeah that's fantastic the, that first email like you said it's so cool
2: to receive that first email from a reader
1: that you don't know and uh, do you still find time to read, or are you still busy now with your with your two jobs?
2: No, I, I I do find time to read. I think it's very important. Uh, I love to read, and that's that's part of it. I read a lot of different things. I you know not only read mysteries, but you know, I, I read nonfiction. I read uh, political thrillers. I read um, you know essays. I like. Uh, writers, everyone from Anthony Burgess to Joan Didion uh, to John Updike. It's it's important for me to read good books and good writers. I think it helps my writing a lot. I'm finishing up a book by David Raycroft now, who's just a, a brilliant, brilliant writer. And I like reading a variety of things. And uh, sometimes one of those, you know, I'll read a nugget in there that I can actually use or just take the germ of an idea and expand it. For me, it's very important to keep reading, keep reading a lot of different things.
1: And uh, what are you working on now?
2: Well, I am actually taking a little break from Burnside. I am writing a political thriller, and uh, it's about the, an assassination attempt of a political leader. It's interesting, because I'm writing it in first person, but I have to be very careful to make sure that voice is different from Burnside's, because with Burnside, I had such a clear voice and I knew the characters so well. And like I say, Burnside is me, so it came naturally. For this, I have to work very hard to not be Burnside and to have to catch myself to not make the smart aleck remark to make sure that, you know, the voice is in line with this particular character. But it is interesting that I'm, you know, writing a political thriller in the middle of a big election season. Hopefully <laughs> life won't imitate art and there will not be an assassination attempt. But, uh, that's, that's what I'm working on now. And it's, uh, it's interesting. I think once I'm done with this, I'm going to go back to Burnside and, uh, keep, keep writing about him. There's a certain comfort level in writing about that character and helping him grow and expand and develop and uh, see where his life leads
1: what are you expecting to publish your uh, next book
2: well about halfway through it it's it's taking a lot longer than i thought but the typical burnside book is about 250 pages and it usually takes me about you know three or four months to write this one's going to be about 400 400 or 500 pages so i started it in uh, the middle of july i um, I'm hoping I'll have it done by the end of the year, and I can get back to Burnside. So I'll look for it early next year. Burnside will be back in 2017. I I, I have to because at the end of Double Pass, I, I gave myself a a bit of a cliffhanger. So I have to go in and resolve that, and it's something I haven't done before. But uh, uh, it's, it's I've given myself a challenge. I have to go back in and uh, figure out what he's going to do next so
1: yeah yeah before you start getting those emails hey where's the next book coming (laughs) out are you uh, active like on social media and facebook and all that stuff
2: probably not as much as i should be i do have a um a blog which i post to once in a while i have you know facebook page which i (laughs) unfortunately neglect but what i do the social media I am on uh, is K-Boards, which is a uh, writer's group, and I'd say anyone who's interested in writing should go on to the Writer's Cafe at K-Boards. There's some uh, really brilliant people on there, and I've learned so much about uh, marketing and self-publishing and ideas on promotions. It's been uh, really, really valuable. Uh, people are very generous with their time generous with their knowledge and uh, without them i wouldn't be anywhere near as far along uh as i am uh, as, as a writer i wouldn't have sold anywhere near as many books and occasionally how you know, people will talk about you know the the writing art how, how do you how do some people structure things how do they work work out some things in writing and and that's helpful but for me it's more about the business end of things, and uh some of the people on there have been self publishing for a long time, and uh they share their knowledge and it's been uh been incredibly valuable i've, I've learned a tremendous amount
1: yeah, and your books are selling uh very well too, so too uh, it seems like it's, uh you're doing, you doing you picked up some good tips and you implemented them very well <laughs>
2: <laughs> well <laughs> yes and uh I didn't invent some of these techniques, but I am imitating them. And, uh, you know, what works for one writer will, you know, often work for another also. So uh, it's, it's all part of the learning process.
1: Okay. So, well, before I, I let you go, is there anything else that you would uh, like to uh, tell our listeners? We have a mix of aspiring writers in there.
2: There's an old axiom in writing that you should write about what you know. But uh, realistically, we, we only know so much. <laughs> there are limits to mm-hmm. that approach. What I try to do is not just write about what I know, but what I feel passionate about, things that I feel strongly about, things that I will have to live with for when writing a book, for whether it be three months, six months, or a long time. So when you become involved in a story, you become involved in a very intimate way, and, uh, having strong feelings about your subject matter will get you through those dark days when, uh, you know, you run into walls, you have self-doubt, you have writer's block, and, uh, when you feel strongly about a subject, it can help get you through that. So, uh, my, my advice to writers in addition to reading a lot, writing a lot, is to write about things that they really care about, for which they have a passion because it helps. It, it does matter. When you're done, you feel good about what you've accomplished.
1: David, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show. And I'll have links on, for the listeners. I'll have links to uh, David's uh, books and all that on the, on the website. You can find them on, on Amazon, of course. Uh, but thank you, David, for being on the show. I appreciate it.
2: Okay, Alan, thanks for having me. I appreciate coming on and uh, appreciate uh, having the opportunity to talk to you thank you this has been a
0: pleasure thank you for listening to this episode of meet the thriller author I'd like to ask you to please uh, rate and review this uh, podcast over on iTunes. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps me get the word out about the podcast. So I would really appreciate that. And you can visit my website at com for slash podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, you can do so from there. Uh, you can do it on iTunes. You can do it with Stitcher. You can do it on Android. The RSS feed is there, so I make it very easy for you to subscribe to this uh, podcast. And you can also join my mailing list uh, from the website. And I've actually been uh, getting some pretty cool offers Uh, for our listeners so if you want to uh, get a great deal on a thrilling read you can uh, join the mailing list over at thrillingreads.com forward slash podcast and uh, you'll get a I'll let you know about these uh, great offers that I've been receiving uh, that I can pass on to you and uh, please visit my website my author website over at allenpeterson.com, and you can download my uh, best selling uh, thriller The Asset for free from there thank you very much and until next time